this was when I first came out. You know, we those cops just do dumb stuff to each other all the time. But we went to I went to a building search with another buddy of mine. He was a canine at the time, and uh, I did leave my car door unlocked, which was always a mistake. Shouldn't do that. Yeah, which I hadn't. Remember, remember that part of the story? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we come back and uh, we search the building, and like I said, he was canine, and so come back. I get in my car door, and it. Just smells like somebody slipping in some dog do, right? You know, so my car stinks like <laughs> dog do. So you know, I'm just thinking like, man, I stepped in some. I'm look checking the bottom of my boots, and you know, like nothing, nothing. I, so I'm checking the car, the the floorboards, nothing. And I, I, it's so bad that I'm driving down the road and I got to have all the windows rolled down because it's just it's smelling. It's, <laughs> It was just smelling pretty bad. I end the shift, and I never tell anybody about it, but I end the shift and um, still just baffled, you know. And um, a couple of, literally a couple of months later, I'm talking to my buddy about it, the same guy, and I'm like, I think your dog, you know, went, you know. and I, But I couldn't, you know, I stepped in or something. I couldn't find anything on there. He's like, man, starts laughing. He's like, we, he did go out there in the, you know, yard or the, for, the, the front, and so, your car door is unlocked, so he, he put it under your car seat. <laughs> <laughs> Told you about um, it two months after the fact? Yeah. So That's you know, awesome. I'm sure every officer, we rotate cars. So yeah, I'm people sure. share those cars, so that was a joke that went for <laughs> several <laughs> shifts. Yeah. Everybody got to enjoy Somebody that joke. It. And the yeah. fun just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It just got real. Just got real. We'd like to give a huge thank you to Kelly Arredondo at Texas Tech Credit Union. She's a mortgage loan officer holding the prestigious Zenix Certified Originator Certificate. And at Texas Tech Credit Union, they operate according to their five core values. Trust, respect, excellence, kindness, and stewardship. That's why they value the contributions of each of their members. They also give a best rate guarantee. So if you find another mortgage company in town that gives you a better rate, if they can't match or beat that rate, they will give you $1,000. Thank you to Kelly Arredondo and Texas Tech Credit Union. I'm Derek. I'm Shay. And I'm Sam. And we're excited to uh, present you today's guest. Yep. Thanks for being on board, bud. Sam, I'm going to let you introduce him. Yeah, here we got uh, Sergeant Toby Hudson. He's with the uh, Amarillo Police Department. Um, we have worked together for a long time. And uh, Toby Hudson has, uh, Sergeant Hudson has several roles uh, at the police department, um, you know, in his official capacity and, and his, in an off-duty official capacity. Uh, Hudson, would you just briefly just tell us a little bit about what you do and what roles you have? Yeah, it's really weird that you call me sergeant. I don't like that. If it's okay, I'll call you Toby. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fine. Um, yeah, currently I'm the uh, SWAT team sergeant. Um, I've been on SWAT for most of my career in some, some capacity, so that's my official job title. Uh, I also teach a lot of disciplines at the police department, um, defensive tactics and rifle instructor and uh, – some other stuff, and I'm also the president of the uh, Amarillo Police Officers Association, which is separate from the department. It's it's kind of like the the working um, group association for the department. You know, we, we don't have a union. We can't like. 
go picket and strike. That would be a terrible idea, but we do have a, a, a union or an association that, that works for, for uh, benefits, working benefits and stuff for officers. So that's another role that I receive zero compensation for. <laughs> right on. <laughs> probably, probably is a lot of work for you. Yeah. I'll stick on that for a second. So the association, and you talked about not going on strike. I remember when I was at the police department, and we got onto the, we joined the association. That was like the big things. Like, you know, you're asking for these benefits. Well, what's the, what's the repercussion if you don't get these benefits? You know, you, are you going to go on strike? Are you going to, are you going to, um, what, I mean, what is the, the, by law, you can't go on strike. So tell us a little bit about like, what does it look like to, as an association to go to the city with some of the requests that you have and, and what are some of the requests that you have had? Yeah. I mean, it's a delicate balance, right? So, um, policing these days is, is scrutinized more than ever. Obviously, uh, everybody watches the news and CNN and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. So, um, getting people to apply to come be police officers is hard. It's, it's a struggle, right now and it has been for the last you know eight ten years or so and uh the people young people who are willing to do it are, are fewer and fewer so really you've, you've just got to present the argument that we've got to do something to um, bolster these numbers you know we don't just want people we want quality people we want ethical people we want good people uh, uh to come do this job and um it's hard to get to get guys to do that because of, you know, the liability of it, because of the danger of it, because of, you know, all the things that you think about when you, when you talk about, um, being a police officer and then, um, you add the economics on top of that. So people are going to go where the money is, right. And, and police officers have never made a whole bunch of money and that's not what it's about. Um, I live a comfortable life and I'm happy with, with my choices, but, people have families to think about, right? So you've got right, to be able to put food on the table. Yeah. You got to put food on the table. You got to take care of your, your family and your kids. Um, so I try to approach it at that route, just a, a logical, practical route and show them the numbers. Hey, th- this is how many people used to apply for this job. This was the pool we're picking from. And, uh, you know, now here's the pool. It's, it's a lot smaller. So we're scooping out of a smaller pool. You're going to get some fish that you're not really, uh, wanting to get. So, the way the process works, I mean, a, a short version of it is people apply to, to get into a police academy and uh, they take a test, a standardized test, and um, it's ranked, you know, from top to bottom, high score to low score. And we used to, a- after that process, you start doing backgrounds on people. Obviously, people get eliminated for, for backgrounds, history, uh, criminal history or debt or that kind of stuff. And so they have a long list of things that they look at in your background. And we used to never even get to the bottom of the list doing backgrounds. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just maybe the top half of the people that took the test. Well, now we exhaust the list all the way to the bottom. Wow. So, um, in theory, there's people that are becoming police officers, not just Amarillo, but all over the place that would not have made it 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. And so, that's that's another point that I keep trying to make is, just just because we might have an academy doesn't mean it's the same quality as the as the one that it used to be. Of course, everybody says it was always better in the in the old the days, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, good old days. it's always better in the good old days. Not, and not necessarily we've got we've got great people, but um, it, it is very difficult. You can't just can't just recruit out of out of the the hometown anymore. You got to go out. You got to expand. Right, and it seems like I mean 
to me, it seems like when I was on the police department, we were and um, you know working a little bit with this. It seemed like the city council or the people that you come to with these kind of these presentations and and facts and knowledge and evidence uh, were pretty open to that communication. Um, I'll say that maybe from time to time there was there weren't, but it seems like at least in the last few years that I was there that it, they became more open to that. Do you still see that? Or do you, well, of course we got a new city council coming in. Do you still see that? Or do you see that there's still some, um, some progress to go? Uh, there's always progress to go. You know, I've never seen, I've never spoken to anybody running for office that says they're anti-law enforcement or anti-first responder, at least in this area, obviously, you know, we're very blessed to be in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have a lot of support, so maybe we don't make as much money as a lot of places, but I, I do feel the support of Amarillo, so Amarillo's always been behind the badge, and I've I've always appreciated that about, about where we are. Um, but you're right, yeah, there's competing interests, right? There's only so much money to go around, so police department needs uh, raises or they need equipment, so does the fire department, the streets need fixed, you know, the trash needs taken out. Um, so you can only do so much with what you have, um, Texas legislature has, as uh, Texas legislature has uh, uh, limited the amount of <coughs> property taxes that can be raised uh, in in uh, a municipality. So it's very hard to raise taxes and and take that money and apply it to to needs that are coming up or you know ever expanding costs. So uh, I don't envy those guys. I know that I I don't think I would want to be a council person. Because it's it's hard. You're going to have to say no to a few things, but all we can do is put our best case forward. And you know, I always say, um, you know, there there might be certain positions within the the government that don't cost you a lot of money, but uh, picking bad police officers can cost a can city cost a lot. or a county or a state a lot of money if they are doing something wrong or illegal or mm-hmm. they're not yeah. bright enough to do the job and they make bad decisions. So uh, that's the liability part of it is is something to take into account when you're when you're trying to prioritize those needs. Exactly, um, and with that, um, you know, one of the things that I always found when when I was at the police department and um, you know doing training in other areas, you know, just talking about Emerald specifics, if you listen and you're like, can wondering if Emerald is the place for you to come. I will say as a when I was there, one of the things that was never lacking um, in the at the police department was training. Um, no, yeah, I think that you know you'll find because I've been believe me, I've been to other places that the Emerald police officer is probably one of the best trained police officers that I've seen. Yeah, without a doubt. And you guys may not know it, Sammy was a phenomenal police officer. He was also a phenomenal training officer. He taught a lot of guys the ropes, including guys like me. Uh, he was there before I was I was there, and um, I learned a lot from him out on the street. But uh, Amarillo itself and the department has always emphasized training, so I'm very blessed to go all over the country and, and do some, some training with other departments and go to some leadership schools and some, some uh, instructor schools, and I, I'm always in, come back impressed that generally our officers are better trained than a lot of instructors are around the rest of the country. And whether that's because they don't prioritize training or they don't have the, the budget for it or the money, or they just, they're too busy. I don't know what it is, but uh, the cops here are really knowledgeable in what they do and they take their tactics seriously. And 
yeah, <coughs> obviously we're we're uh, jaded towards uh, the APD, both of us. But man, I've seen it all over the place. We are lucky, we're right. really lucky. Well, thank you, brother. And I mean, you know, the the end result of that, the end result of that, what we're talking about is a safer, you know, off, it's safer for the officer, and really, it's safer for the for the community. Um, Another question I want to ask is, okay, so, you know, we have a law enforcement background, we, and I would say that, as you said, you know, 95% plus of the community backs us, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't see that from day to day. And, uh, but if you could just say, if there's one thing that you would, talking to the, to the guys on the street, talking to the police officers, is there one thing that the community could do right now that would be, that would help the, the average cop on the street like is there one thing that they could do they could um that they need i'd I'd like for everybody just to be educated on the issues number one uh and then and i'll always look at each you know each city and each area of the country each area of the state is kind of unique you know we're in west texas man there's a lot of um right-leaning you know, uh, Second Amendment kind of um, thinking here in Amarillo, and I don't have any problem with that. Uh, we have a lot of guns in Amarillo, like a lot, right? I own a lot mm-hmm. of guns. You know, I'm a gun owner myself. Um, just I've seen over the last 20 years or so more and more of these guns falling into the wrong hands. Lots of kids have them now. I'm talking kids like high school-age kids are doing these shootings out on the weekend. Uh, whether that's drive-bys or just shooting out in the air in the park, you know, whatever it is, wh- where these kids are coming up with these guns fascinates me. I don't, I don't really understand that. A lot of them are stolen out of cars that are either left unlocked or even they're locked out and parked in front of their cars. Uh, you know, sometimes they get taken in burglaries from people's houses that are locked, and so there's not a ton you can do about that. But you know, lock them up, secure them. Um, I'm not saying don't have access to them. I'm saying when you're not there, don't don't make it easy to get to them right. because we find them everywhere. I, I mean, you and I worked the streets 20 years ago, and it was it was pretty normal, I guess, to run into maybe pull a gun off of a guy every week or so. Yeah, yeah. It's every day now. It's amazing. Every day, uh, it it's pretty crazy, and, it, and it, frankly, it gets a little scary. Um, you know, open carry has changed things a little bit and, and people are allowed to carry and I, I don't have any issue with responsible people carrying guns, but, um, you know, s- there's no need for a 16 year old kid to be toting around a, a pistol mm-hmm. in his waistband. Mm-hmm. So we as a community have to figure out how to, how to stop them from getting access to that. It's not, the police aren't going to do it. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that is amazing. I didn't, I didn't know that difference, you know, and something that, and, um, that I'm curious about because I retired in 2016 um, before the last few years of what I consider, what I see as societal and cultural changes. Um, Man, and that comes all the way down from the family. I mean, all the way down to the family unit, but it has a huge effect. You know, when, after I got out of police and I went into coaching and teaching and I saw it in the coach, I saw it in the schools. Um, Would you think that in the last few years, there's been a cultural, do you see it too? Do you see a cultural change? Major, major. It's a, it's a, an anti-authority feeling all over the country. And, and like I said, uh, 
Amarillo is better than most places, but it, there's still that it permeates a little bit when you see it on social media and you see it on TV and um, it's kind of encouraged to buck authority now. And, uh, you know, we have freedom of speech and we have uh, the right to peaceful protest and all that. I mean, I believe in the Constitution and, and all the rights afforded from it. Uh, but at some point, it just seems like everybody's angry because they're angry. They don't really have a true reason to be upset. Everybody just wants to... Um, buck the system mm-hmm. and like you said yeah my my wife's a school teacher holy cow man i can't believe what happens in schools what kids uh, right. can say and do and then their parents come in and basically back them up and tell them you know the teacher's wrong the administrators are wrong and you know, i'm not saying we're not wrong and sometimes the police can be wrong and school teachers can be wrong your boss can be wrong but it seems like there's just much more of a feeling these days of uh don't tell me what to do Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really know where it comes from, uh, but it's definitely permeated our society. And I, I, I see that as a major problem. Like you said, starts in the family. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. That's actually what I was going to touch on is I think, you know, the, the cultural shift we've seen over the past three to five years or so has, has definitely made me, may, you know, have, have important conversations with people that are kind of similar minds. I mean, <clears throat> up in Oregon, one of my best friends was the sergeant of the Corvallis Police Department. Um, this man was also an African male man who uh, grew up on the streets in inner city Chicago. So you talk about a unique perspective when yeah. all that was going on, right? And me and him were going for a walk one day, and he, I said, you know, there's another young gentleman that I was trying to reach who was having a hard time with, with social injustice and all the things that were happening. And I, and I just said, man, like, how do I really reach him whenever, you know, we come from different backgrounds, we have different skin colors, you know? Um, and, and my, my dear friend looked at me and said, Derek, he said, everybody's trying to get behind something because everybody's emotional and they're trying to just do what their feelings are telling them to do. He said, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, everybody needs the gospel truth of Jesus, man. He said, if we would all preach that and it starts in the home. Yeah. He said, that's all these people need. They don't need another another bandwagon, bandwagon emotional charge to get behind. It's, yep. And I think that directly comes down to what we as parents, what we as a society are, are, are doing in our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll take flack for that, but, but I stand by what I say. I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's one of the most important values. Morality comes down to what we as parents are handing off to the next generation. How are we raising them up? What are we putting in front of them on a TV? What are we putting in front of them to listen to? What are we putting in front of them to to do at school? How are we talking through issues at school that they're facing? It's it's A lot of that can be solved in the home. Not everything. Life is going to happen, and yeah. your kids are going to get outside your walls. But how are you teaching them through those moments to come back to morality and to be a decent human being and do the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. This that's conversations that my wife and I have all the time. We've got um, we have a twenty month old at home, and then we have another one due here in the next couple of weeks. And um, that's conversations that we have. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, Derek, you you know you have little kids in school right now, um, and just thinking about what that's gonna be like when when our boys in school and. Um, when our second boy is getting into school, like, I mean, just trying to talk through and walk through all of those different things, the, uh, the things that maybe are, um, not in align with what we believe. Um, but at the same time, bringing it all back to 
knowing what we believe in instilling that into our kids and know they they need to know what they believe because they believe it and because we were the example and we lived it out um not just because of somebody that you, you watched a video on youtube or tiktok and it was like just because this person said that this is this is the right way of doing things or this is how you should be doing this like I don't know. That's a, that's a challenge. I mean, we're just, (laughs) we talk about it so much because it's a big, um, and it's, it's a big topic in our, in our home because we want our boys to be raised in a way that's going to be honoring to people, um, and just, just loving towards people. And when, man, there's, there's so much that goes into that. So I'm I'm thankful for, you know, everything that APD does because at the end of the day, like, um, you know, when, um, when we raise kids in the streets and stuff, I, I think it takes a special person in service, somebody with a, a you know, whether in the moments, cause some, some people come from messed up backgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. some people have things that happen to them in life, but I love people that can give themselves up in such a way for service in a community to where, man, your life's on the line every night, you know, uh, police officers lives are on the, on the line every day. And, you know, um, our first responders put themselves in situations that none of us do mm-hmm. on a day-to-day oh. basis. And I, I think there's something heroic behind that. And I think there's something right with that. And one thing you touched on, uh, Toby was, was, you know, this kind of wrestle and tussle with authority. Yeah. And, and I see that too. And, and, and I think, I think again, it comes back to teaching that actual authority is actually a blessing in your life. Yeah. It's supposed to be a blessing. You're supposed to have authority figures in your life, and that is actually good for you. Um, because if you don't have an authority person, even the Bible says, you know, seek wise counsel and things, right? Like, how are you going to seek wise counsel if there aren't people who are leading you through things in life? And I think it's, it takes special people like yourself in the community to be able to lead a group of people to a common goal. And I think it's very important in today more than ever because it's not the popular thing to do. That's right. The popular thing to do is to completely run the other way, and so I applaud you. I'm, I'm, man. I, I thank you guys for what you do, Sam. Absolutely. You too. You were there too. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, uh, some of us do this job because we don't have any other skills. That's what I always tell people. <laughs> I literally can't build anything, <laughs> fix anything. I don't have any man skills. This is, this is all I know how to do. But yeah, you guys are right. The the Bible grants authority. Uh, and it even says sometimes it grants unrighteous authority, yep. mm-hmm. uh, but God has placed those people. And, and we have we have checks and balances to make sure that, you know, authority is not acting outside its scope. Yep. Uh, and sometimes we just have to trust the process. Nobody trusts, trusts the process anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, and you've hit on exactly what I wanted to uh, talk about. And I, one of the things that I think in the, in the end is that one of the roots is a, a lack of leadership. And um, I do want to talk about that a minute. You, you know, you've been in um, the police department for a long time. You've take you've chosen to go into leadership roles at, at with different avenues. Um, you know, in the police department, outside of the police department. What does a what do you look for in leadership? What does a good leader look like to you? Man, that's such a a hard thing to define. You know. Uh, you don't feel any different when you take on a leadership role, right? So one day you're doing the work and the next day you're put in this position, whether it's voluntary or somebody puts you there and you're like, well, you know, I don't feel special. I don't feel like uh, I could lead these guys or gals with any special skills. So, you know, 
in my mind, I, you know, I try and do a lot of reading and, and follow some some leadership examples, but everybody's a little unique and it depends on the situation that you're in and who you're trying to lead, right? Are you are you leading, you know, rookie officers that need a lot of direction? Mm-hmm. Are you leading some veteran guys that, you know, kind of know what they're doing? And so that's more of a hands-off approach and just kind of guide and, and steer a little bit, give them the stuff that they need and step out of the way. You know, that's kind of my job. Um, I just know that, uh, you know, probably the, the first and foremost thing I think about when I'm, when I'm talking about being in charge of people is being, uh, humble and Mm -hmm. humility will go a long way and not just owning a mistake, but calling yourself out for a mistake. Cause you know, sometimes, you know, whether you're supervising or you're in charge of something, um, they see when you make a mistake. Right, it's not unknown. Yeah, and they're not they're not going to call you out, right? They're not going to say, "Hey, hey, Sarge, you really screwed that up," you know. So it's really up to you to do that and say, "Hey, guys, man, I messed that deal up. That's my fault. I'm going to own it." And uh, you know, you know, Jocko Willink and those guys talk about extreme ownership. I think owning your mistake is the first thing you can do in front of people to show that, you know, he, number one, he's no different than the rest of us. Uh, he messes up, and. Uh, that frees them up to not be so, you know, tight and tense with whatever it is they're doing and walking on eggshells. Hey, man, he's he screwed that up. I've I've got he's given me some some room to screw some stuff up myself. Right, he's going to have some grace for that. Yeah, give yeah, give grace, get grace, and so um, that's number one. Try not to be any more than you are. Uh, if if you're if you just happen to be chosen to be in charge, just just be who you've always been. Um. I think I think a lot of people try to fill shoes instead of just wear the ones that they got on their feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good, man. I mean, I think of you know again back to the police department, and this goes for the the business world too. I mean, if you're wanting to know, you know, maybe how to be better at in the home, in the business, you know, wherever you're at, because this applies the same at at, at home, right? Be the bad. Be the dad who's humble. Be the dad who's um, ready to, like you said, admit the mistakes. And one of the things I used to, I heard you say years ago that I really latched onto. And just sometimes it's just one statement. It's like you would say, uh, you know, I'm not a great guy, but I work with a lot of great guys. That's that sign of absolutely that humility that we're talking about. Um, You know, and that there's some people in leadership roles that are just. As you said, they're, they're, they have that functional authority. They're there because they um, got the promotion for for whatever reason, but that doesn't really exude the le- leadership qualities that we're talking about. Yeah, you've got, you know, I always break it down into two categories. Authority <laughs> is granted and influence is earned. And so, um, you know, you may be put in that position to have some authority over something, no matter what that is, but uh, the influence you have over people is, is can be from anywhere. And so uh, if they see you doing the right thing and, and working hard and, and wanting to take care of people, then, you know, that, that influence spreads and there's, there's really nothing you can do about that. So I would tell people, be, be influential. Don't be authoritative, you know. I love that. Absolutely. And that's good. I want to talk about some of the things that the police department or the police officer association is doing, you know, for the community. But before that, I want to ask if, if there's a person that's feeling led 
to become a police officer. It's just whether it led to a heart of service. What is one piece of advice that you would give them in doing that? And yeah, I want those people to call me for sure. <laughs> and please, please uh, apply if they're really led to do that. Yeah, um, it's definitely not going to make you a lot of money. It's, you're not going to be super famous uh, doing it. Um, but it's it's very satisfying. Uh, I, I can't I personally can't think about going home at the end of uh, a, a day's work and not feeling like you made a difference somewhere at some point in somebody's lives. And you can do that a lot of different ways. Police work is just one way to do that. But, um, if, if that's what they're after, uh, then it's, it's a deeply satisfying career. So seek that out, um, start getting in shape. Um, you know, better than anybody. Uh, once you, once you decide to be a cop, the, you've, you kind of signed that right away to be out of shape. That's how I believe it. Right. I know that's what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked out together for a long time and, uh, you you actually kind of lose a piece of yourself when you become an officer. So make sure you're willing to do that, willing to give that up. And, you know, you don't have to be like a CrossFit maniac or anything. You just got to be able to take care of yourself. You got to be able to take care of other people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, get in shape, um, expand your mind a little bit, do some reading uh, about, about, you know, law and police work and make sure you're ready to kind of work some shift work uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we right. worked midnights for many years. Uh and I, it doesn't sound like I'm advertising it very well, do I? I'm not I'm not very good. <laughs> it's not a brochure, is it? No, <laughs> uh, no somebody's listening out there and like, mm, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah, but but seriously, it's so much fun. And hey, let's admit it, you don't get to go to a job very often where you get to go to the range and shoot guns, go get to the, to the track and drive cars fast and um, learn how to take people down and all that kind of stuff. It, I mean, it's a blast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is a blast. And, and I mean, it, it, it is changing. It will change your heart. It'll t- change your soul to where you um, you do have that heart of service. And uh, I know I certainly did, did and still do. Um, and, and last thing I would add on to that, if you are seriously thinking about that, um, this is just my small nugget of advice. You know, look now and do a self-examination of who you are deciding to uh, be friends with, because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's that's going to make a huge difference. And just start, um, you know, being being with the people who you know that you wouldn't mind taking home to your grandma and and introduce them to. So make sure what you're putting on social media, you would let your mom read, right? right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because yeah. they're going to look at that. Uh, I don't know how to do it, but you know, <laughs> those people that do the backgrounds know how. They, they've got social media. I don't. <laughs> I'm, just glad, I'm just glad you got away from the flip phone, like I said. All right, so, yeah, man. Uh, I'm moving up in the world. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about some, something that the association does from year to year, year to year. But I will tell you before you start, I'm like, if you need someone, <laughs> I mean, I was actually I know where recruited. this is going. I already know. <laughs> I was recruited uh, back in the day for, for for a professional softball league. I had recruiters out there. Professional, the he said. Yes. I, had, I didn't even know softball was professional. Yeah, it is. Are you yeah. talking about like on ESPN 8, the Ocho? <laughs> like typhoon? It could be. My career was ruined. My career was ruined um, when I – okay, I slammed one. It was a rocket to uh, second base. Um, it was a grounder. It was a rocket. And so, you know, I, I was pretty sure that the second baseman was going to handle it. Did not know when it was a rocket. So I, I just kind of jogged to first base because I thought I was going to be out. 
but he mishandled it. So I thought I had a chance. So I kicked it up into, you know, hyperdrive. <laughs> I love this. Man. And I uh, pulled a hammy. Oh, pulled, man. Pop, it popped. I pulled a hammy. And so, um, yeah, they actually had to get a pinch runner out there for me. And uh, Golly, man. So the recruiters kind of fell off. So now I just make... <laughs> Now I just make a living you off of getting those phone calls. Yeah. yeah. If you'd have just hit that home run, you wouldn't have had to sprint <laughs> in the first base. Right? True. That's true. So now I just have to live through endorsements. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so you do a. This room is getting so deep. Yeah, no, it's bad. I know. <laughs> Tell us about um, what you do. You do have a softball uh, game every year. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we play a boots a boots and badges softball game. So it's the fireman and the policeman, uh, and it's kind of at the end of the uh, boots and badges blood drive that we do with Coffee Memorial every year. So um, we do a big blood drive campaign, and and it's you know it's kind of uh, a friendly competition, policeman versus fireman, and uh, come donate blow, uh, blood, get a lot of. Uh, goodies and and choose your favorite first responder. At the end of that campaign, we do the softball game. It started out the Dilla Villa fifteen years ago, right? Uh, and yes, Sammy did play with us at the Dilla Villa. Yeah, yeah, he was there. <laughs> I was kind of a backup at the time, but yeah, you know, he was still one position. still rehabbing that hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> He was still, he was, yeah, he was, yeah. he was, done, was wasn't hundred percent yet. Yeah. You got off the electromagnetic yeah. machine that just like sits there and gives you a pulse right there on your hamstring. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. he was back in the training room, you know? Uh, yeah. We started that game so many years ago and, and people didn't, people didn't think it was very serious, but these guys like, I mean, there's some legit ball players on both sides right on. Uh, that hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Me not being one of them, I do not. <laughs> I do not do that. But uh, yeah, and it's carried over every year. It's grown. It's at Hodgetown now. Uh, those those guys were kind of skeptical when we took it to them uh, and wanted to move it into the new ballpark the first year. Uh, but they were there was guys hitting balls out of that ballpark too. It, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, several thousand people show up and watch these uh, old washed up policemen versus these young in shape firemen. <laughs> Uh, play play this charity softball game and all all the all the money benefits uh two causes it's, it's split between the coffee memorial blood center uh, which originally started it and the 100 club of the texas panhandle absolutely so cool awesome yeah. and the 100 club um um tell us a little bit about or what you do know about that i know it it benefits uh um, police officers and firefighters can you tell us a little bit more yeah the 100 club is is an amazing organization so uh they pay out, unfortunately, uh, benefits to the families of, of officers or firemen, first responders that are injured or killed in the line of duty. Um, they kind of bridge that gap that, that happens. You know, you guys know maybe in the business world, things don't aren't always that fast with paperwork and payouts and insurance and those kind of things. So it could be months, even years before uh, these families are able to, to settle these insurance claims and stuff. So they actually present a $20,000 check to a family that loses a first responder. Uh, and so that's, that's know, amazing. That's, that's just a stopgap to, to let them, um, kind of breathe a little bit, take care of bills, pay funeral costs and that kind of stuff. It's a really somber reality, but, uh, those guys work really hard to raise the money for that. And their secondary mission, uh, on top of that is they, um, they spend money on uh, needed equipment for, for uh, departments that can't afford it. Lots, lots of small departments around the Panhandle may, may need some fire truck repair or, you know, some some uh, breathing apparatuses for firemen or, or those policemen may need some bulletproof vests because they're too old and their county can't afford it. So 
uh, they step in and, and buy that kind of stuff. So the 100 Club is is amazing, uh, and it's it's a hundred dollars a year to be a member. Uh, so you just for an individual, businesses can can get in. And I believe small businesses can do it for a thousand dollars a year, but all that money stays local and and benefits local first responders. Awesome, so that cool. is awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Awesome. Well, that's uh, man, that's um, something a cause that people should definitely look forward to. Not only not only do you see an awesome game, um, but it goes to those causes as well as like I said, like you were saying, the Coffin Memorial Blood Center, which does so much good work. Um, and not only in Amarillo, but the Panhandle. Um, what about the Police Officers Association? It, do you, is there a way, because, man, it's, I've been out for a long time, is there a way for a citizen to that wants to support the Police Officers Association that they can do either monetarily or by service or anything like that? Yeah, we do. Uh, we do have a website. Uh, so I've stepped up into the modern world. Yeah, the, wow. Yeah, uh, uh, Amarillo uh, POA dot. Org, I believe. You have to look it up. Search it. Amarillo Police Officers Association. uh, The first thing that pops up is the website. Click on it. And there is a donate uh, button on there for that. So you can do it online. Uh, I believe there's also a a P.O. box on there that you can mail a check to if you feel so inclined. But um, really, I just want you to go out and support those causes uh, because that's what we do. We turn around and take that money that's not expense money for our building and upkeep and all that, and we... We give it back to the community, so uh, either way, either way works. But yeah, Coffee Memorial's big uh, on our radar. We've been partnering with them for a long time. The 100 Club, same thing. Um, we do some other stuff like uh, we do some gift card giveaways at Christmas, where we just kind of buy some random uh, gift cards at Walmart and, and walk around at Christmas time and give them to families that that look like they could use it. And uh, I've I've got anywhere from crying hugs to. Uh, you're lying, and you're not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go up and scan the card and find out it's got real money on it, and they come back and, and tell us thank you. But, you know, officers don't always get a chance to meet people in the public and have a positive interaction. It's We're generally, you remember, it's, we're generally there mm-hmm. on their worst day of their life. Exactly. And uh, that sometimes that's kind of hard to take. So it's good to go uh, meet people in other circumstances and, and give back to the community. So. Exactly. You know, and I will say this just in, in my closing thought is just thinking of this, you know, police officers are, they do have that, they have that authority figure um, by statute and by, you know, and by their presence, no doubt. But they are the people that are in your community. They, they're, they're your neighbors. They live around the block from you. They're at the gym with you. You know, they're, they're the people that you, they're coaching your kids' football team. They're coaching your kids' soccer team. They are the people that, um, are there with you? They're flesh and blood, right behind the badge. Yeah, I every, love everybody that. knows a cop, right? Especially because yeah. we know when you pull somebody over, everybody has that <laughs> yes, cop right. friend, right? But uh, yeah, we're just we're just people, uh, just, and we have good days and bad days, and uh, got stuff on our minds that we worry about at home, and you know all that sometimes carries over into your work. So um, I guess just uh, a little grace goes a long way, both directions, right? So. Everybody has had a, an interaction with a cop and said, man, that guy wasn't very nice. Maybe he wasn't very nice. Maybe he had a really rough day. Maybe he or she, you know, got some bad news or whatever it was. So um, nobody wants bad cops out of the profession more than good cops. 
Sure. And so we work really hard to weed those uh, applicants out, weed them out through the academy, weed them out earlier in their career because they give all of us a bad name, right? So we don't want those. We don't want those folks. We want we want people of integrity. We want people that care. Um, we want people that want to do the right thing. So I'm probably going off on a little bit of a trail here, but uh, yeah, a little bit of grace both directions is is awesome. Uh-huh. I, I got a last kind of thought question too is. Um, Toby, what are your, what's your hope for for the APD looking looking forward? Like, what's what's the hope in your mind and the hope for the, the academy and and everything? What is just the general hope you have for APD? Well, yeah, short term is I'd love to get our numbers back up, uh, and really be able to start getting back out in the community. You know, these guys, I say these guys because I'm not in a position to be out there answering calls anymore. But these guys run call to call to call all day long. Uh, the radio never stops, uh, even at three in the morning when most of us are asleep. Those guys are constantly answering calls. And so, you know, my hope is to get our numbers back up and to uh, give those guys a little bit of support and um, to remind our officers that our city is really behind us and mm-hmm. always are. Sometimes you you get in that rut as an officer too because all you're doing is responding to bad stuff, bad bad incident after bad incident after bad incident. And you don't remember that, and there's a lot of good people out there that really appreciate what you do, and uh, that that in itself can can kind of set you in a mindset of of you know the world is bad and uh, we don't want to stick our heads in the sand. Bad stuff happens in this world, but the world is good. Right. Uh, God created it that way and. People mm-hmm. here in this city are good, and most everybody uh, wants to do the right thing. We just need a, we just need a gentle reminder, I think, of uh, what the authority is there for, and and what it does for all of us. Not exactly what it's doing to you at the time, but what it does right. for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a little kindness goes a long way too. I think, you know, we've been adamant on this on this podcast to make sure that we thank all first responders because. Um, <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, there is, I mean, you guys are heroes, man, in my eyes. I, I, you're doing things that just the normal everyday citizen isn't. And I think um, I think that deserves a lot of respect and a lot of kindness. I mean, so just for the community out there and the listeners out there, if you see a first responder, go out of your way and thank them. Say thank you. Thank you goes a long way. Kindness goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. It is always appreciated. Absolutely. So, hey, we're going to put down one last thing I forgot. Um, do you have the dates for us so we can put that out for the uh, for the blood drive and for the game? And we'll make sure to put it in the description too. Yeah, absolutely. June thirtieth is the uh, Boots and Badges blood drive kickoff out at Coffee Memorial. It's from six a.m. to seven p.m. We'll be out there all day. We take all the all the vehicles out there, the SWAT vehicles, the the response vehicles, the bomb truck, uh, the fire department brings some stuff too. But we're not really Whatever. worried about those guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hope they uh, don't get a flat. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> the police association, not the firemen. The police association's cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for lunch for everybody. Uh, so you guys show up there, uh, donate some blood, get a bunch of free goodies. And then the softball game is August 12th, Saturday, August 12th. It's at 7 p.m. Gates open at 6. It's run just like a regular sod poodle game, just with probably one one notch lower quality athletes <laughs> <laughs> or, or aging athletes like myself. Yeah, exactly. Sam will be there to, yeah. to sign. He'll yeah. be icing um, his hammy on the, on the bench, that's though. Right. Yeah, yeah, I definitely – I'm just saying, I'm just going to throw this one last thing. I've already checked my calendar. I'm available. I'm <laughs> 
I'm going to send out, I'll send Sam a private tryout date. Uh, maybe a combine. We can have like a softball combine. This will, this will be further continued on Sam's YouTube channel. This will have to happen. I'm just saying, I'm open. So, okay, anyway. I'll check, I'll check the roster. Buddy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll make sure to put those dates in there. I guarantee you're going to have a good time at both of those events. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me, man. This was this was fun. My first podcast. I feel like a I feel like a real uh, hipster. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be, be, ready. be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we, you. Really, we really appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for all you do. In. Thank absolutely. you for everything, man. Um, again, guys, go support your community. Go support your first responders. Say thank you. Um, appreciate you listening. Thanks to uh, to tuning in and, and keep it real. I don't.